Training camp for the National Football League, but some old stories persist. Andrew Luck will not practice at all this week. He remains out with that calf injury, something that has lingered since the offseason and one that may hurt his chances to be ready for the regular season. According to NFLPR representative Brian McCarthy, Antonio Brown is in fact in, quote, breach of contract for not playing with a league-sanctioned helmet. If Brown were to step on the field, he could be fined for that result. Duke Johnson won't play in Saturday's preseason game against the Lions for the Houston Texans. He's dealing with a hamstring issue. And in Major League Baseball, the Yankees may get some reinforcements soon. Luke Voigt to begin hitting on Tuesday. He's dealing with a sports hernia. Dylan Betances is during bullpen sessions. He's coming back from a shoulder issue. And Luis Severino is nearing live BP. I'm Dan Strafford. This has been your Fantasy Sports Radio Network News Update. Stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network for more updates at the top of every hour. Ladies and gents, this is the BFX. Yo! This is our number two of the BFFs. BFFs Action Hour live with you. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman, Eric Young all hanging out. We'll get into some betting stuff later. We'll get the, our uh, best bets forever coming up. We'll, go, we'll talk some uh, preseason NFL betting, how we did last week. But I wanted to continue this conversation before we got there. And uh, as I said going into the break, I have a Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks, and then Cooper Cup, but I don't know there's a right answer for you. Uh, Frank, let me start with you. Why do you have it ranked Cooks, then Woods, then Cup? So I guarantee if I asked you, Greg, who led the Rams wide receivers in red zone targets last year, you would say? I would. It was Cooper Cup when he was healthy. That is but, true. But when he wasn't healthy, so I probably would have said Robert Woods. But it's probably Brandon Cooks. It was Brandon Cooks yeah. who led the Rams wide receivers. Of course, Todd Gurley led all Rams receivers in red zone targets a year ago. But based on Brandon Cooks' usage last year and the fact that he led this team in red zone targets, I would assume that more touchdowns are coming this year. Uh, even with you know not scoring as many touchdowns as we hoped last year, Brandon Cooks still finished as a top 13 wide receiver. That was only with five touchdowns. He still had 80 receptions, over 1,200 yards, and... This is something that we talked about time and time again last year after watching a Rams game. All of these Rams wide receivers are interchangeable. They could all play on the outside. They could all play on the slot. The way that McVay uses them is, you know, he gets them out in space. Uh, he puts them in the best position for them to succeed, whether it's, you know, in really creative screen passes or, you know, whatever it might be. He gets all three of these wide receivers out in space. For me personally, I think Brandon Cooks, it's probably the most talented player overall in terms of being able to stretch the field, get down the field, uh, make opposing defenders miss after the catch. And the fact that he was the most targeted wide receiver in the red zone last year for the Rams, I would assume that the touchdowns are going to go up for him. Again, I don't know that there's really a wrong answer, but I think that Brandon Cooks is probably the most talented player of the three. And if their usage is all the same, I'll take the most talented player. That's Brandon Cooks. If the usage is all the same, give me the cheapest player, which is probably Cooper Cup. That's fair. 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to wait until uh, Another the, round the next so. round, yeah. like where Brandon Cooks is going in the mid to late fourth round, if you want to you know, take a running back in that round and just know that you can get a Rams wide receiver the next round uh, in a Cooper Cup, that's perfectly fine. But if you want to swing for who has the most upside among the wide receivers in this offense, I would say it's Brandon Cooks. Why you have it ranked the same with Cooks, then Woods, then Cup. How come you have it that way? Like Frank was just saying, like the upside is there. I think he's the best athlete of the two. I think overall the best receiver is probably uh, Woods. And obviously, for whatever reason, the goal line guy has been Cooper Cup. So it is a bit of a puzzle, and it's been a puzzle the whole time. Um, But one thing I did want to say about this is like, I mean, I don't think there's a wrong one there. I think the offense this year will will, – will be just as good, possibly better than next year. And that's going to depend on Jared Goff. And I'm, everyone's taking these guys high, but Jared Goff is like being drafted very low. And that, that to me doesn't make any sense. Look, if you like these wide receivers, Jared Goff is the guy that's going to be throwing them the ball. I think it's recency bias. You're thinking back to him getting schooled in the Super Bowl, uh, his brain melting and him not being able to get anything done. Belichick is, is one of the best, if not the best coach ever in the NFL, and and he, he just outcoached McVay, and he outcoached Jared Goff, and Jared Goff relied on McVay to put him in the right position, and he couldn't do it, and he couldn't figure it out himself. It doesn't make Jared Goff a bad player. I like Jared Goff. Uh, he can run a little bit if he needs to, but, but uh, the Rams are going to be a really high-potent offense, so I want all these guys. And I actually have Jared Goff ranked as my QB 11. I've pretty much been on him uh, the entire draft season, so I agree with EY. I mean, it's the old fantasy adage, right? You want to add up all the production of the wide receivers or tight ends on a, on a respective team, you got to like the person who's throwing them the ball, right? We, we all like uh, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard. That means you got to like Jameis Winston. If we all like the Rams yep. wide receivers to finish inside the top 25, you have to like the person who's throwing them the ball. Of course, that is Jared Goff, so I agree 100%. The other wide receivers that I have in this mix that separate Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks for me uh, are Kenny Galladay and Chris Godwin. Two sexy names, I'd say, this year, if not the sexiest names at wide receiver. EY, how high are you on these potential breakout candidates? Kelly, Kenny Galladay, I actually have uh, just behind uh, Amari Amari Cooper, Antonio Brown, then Galladay at my 39th overall. So that would be, he'd be like a 11 or 12 for me. So I'm really high on him. I know that Detroit is not going to to throw the ball a whole lot, but I don't trust Marvin Jones to stay healthy. Uh, Galladay is the real deal. He has all the intangibles, uh, great hands, great route running, uh, good size, uh, leaping ability. Galladay is, is what you want a number one wide receiver to be, and I feel like if they're going to throw the ball, they're going to throw it to him. So I really like Galladay. EY, where do you have Chris Godwin in those rankings? Uh, Chris Godwin is 46 overall, just behind Allen Robinson and Tyler Lockett. Um, And Allen Robinson, I'm probably higher on than than a lot of people, but I believe in the Chicago offense this year. I think Trubisky will take a step forward throwing. That's not saying a lot since he wasn't good at it last year. But I I like Allen Robinson. I think uh, he could. He's not going to duplicate the year, the big year he had in Jacksonville. But I think he could be leaning towards it after the after a year from the Achilles injury or the ACL. Yeah. So the reason I wanted to ask about Godwin, Greg, is I keep wrestling with this. I want to move him up more. I want to move him up to right around Julian Edelman. I, I want I want to have as much exposure to Chris Godwin as I possibly can. I know that he's like everyone's consensus breakout this year, but I, I believe 
that everything is there for him to get it done this season. I have him ahead of Kenny Galladay. As of now, I still have him behind the Rams wide receivers in Cooks and Robert Woods, but I have really wrestled with moving him ahead of those guys just because you look at the opportunity that's available. 179 targets are now gone from this Tampa Bay Bucks offense from one year ago. There's no more Deshaun Jackson. There's no more Adam Humphreys. The target concentration is there for just those three guys, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and O.J. Howard. We expect him to throw the ball over 600 times this year. We still have skepticism when it comes to the Tampa Bay Bucks defense. And everything that we've seen and heard from Bruce Arians in the offseason has been pumping up Chris Godwin. I understand that that's what you're supposed to do. It's coach speak. You know, like Pete Carroll talks up all of his players. But Chris Godwin, if you watch him play, it's legit. The guy can line up all over the field. He can line up in the slot, line up on the outside, makes plays in the red zone. He led the Bucks in red zone targets a year ago despite playing under 70% of the snaps. He scored a touchdown with the first team in their first preseason game. I love Chris Godwin, man. I want to move him up more, Craig. I'll tell you why I just moved up Chris Godwin one spot. When we come back. Because of me! It is because of Frank. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Um, hey, Danny, who is, uh, who is working the video production at the moment? This is a question for Danny. Danny Okers, if you're alive and can hear us, please respond downstairs in the pit of misery. I am alive and can hear you. Sorry, I was trying to help him. Uh, who is it, may I ask? It's one of uh, the interns who will ah. be doing the uh, weekend program. Yes, okay, so uh, quick uh, quick. Helping to Nick, my man. Uh, if someone is waving violently at the camera for the entirety of the break, uh, if you could uh, tell Danny, uh, that would be quite helpful. Let's move on. Greg legitimately stood up and put his face right in front of the camera for about 20 seconds. So if anyone... And nobody noticed. <laughs> so let's just, uh, let's well, just point that out. Word of advice. Just pay attention during the breaks, you know? Word of advice. We're, it's the only way that we could get in contact with you guys. It is. It's very much so. All right. Um, so as I was saying to Frankie during the break, before I was waving violently, Chris Godwin, I moved him ahead of Kenny Galladay, who, when we did this poll... Got him! Yeah. We, God him, huh? Huh? All right, you can see yourself out now, Greg. All right. <laughs> when we did this poll a couple of weeks ago, I had Galladay over Godwin because number one wide receiver versus number two wide receiver, right? Um, the build of Kenny Galladay is just like made to be a number one wide receiver on this, on, in fantasy football in the NFL. But what I keep going back to, and maybe it's been you in my ear, 100% could be, it's, yes, the amount of targets they are losing in Tampa Bay, but it's also the offense. Like, I look at Detroit, and what we have said each of the last two years, Frankie, is that we want to pay more attention to who these offensive coordinators are because they're going to run their schemes. They don't give a crap. I was watching uh, all over Twitter today about how Greg Williams, the defense coordinator for the Jets, has a safety play 20 yards back. 
which is useless because he's so far out of the play that it doesn't help. And Greg Williams has done that everywhere he's been, from uh, the Browns to the Rams to the Redskins to the Saints. Everywhere he plays his safety 25 yards back. Is he doing that so far? Yes. They had a graphic from the game against the Giants. Okay. Well, I hope that's Marcus May, not Jamal Adams. I don't know who it was. You put Jamal Adams 20 yards away from the line of scrimmage. He's not helping. I'll show you during the commercial exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. I've actually heard this before, too, yeah. So, these coordinators are going to do what they do. That's why we're not high on Russell Wilson. That's why I want to get into this Tyler Lockett in a second, because I feel like his upside is honestly capped a bit. And that's why, ultimately, as good of a wide receiver that I think Kenny Galladay is, and I think in a vacuum, Galladay is better than Chris Godwin. But we don't... Maybe. It's my opinion. Yep. But we don't play in a vacuum. Given that this is a Bruce Arians offense, it's going to throw the ball. They're going to push the ball down the field. He's a vertical passing guy. Daryl Bevel is not. <laughs> Daryl Bevel's going to run the ball. It's going to be a lot of quick screens. It's going to be a lot of West Coast offense. And maybe that will be good for Kenny Galladay. Maybe. Probably will be good for Danny Amendola, realistically. I don't dislike Kenny Galladay. I don't. I just like Chris Godwin one spot more. And I agree with you, Greg. It's not a knock on Kenny Galladay. It's situation at times. Look at how many times there's been really, really good players that are held back by the respective teams that they play for. EY, please do not put me through a table the next time you see me, but I'll bring up the example of Corey Davis, right? I think Corey Davis is a very talented player, and if you put Corey Davis on you know, the Green Bay Packers or the New England Patriots, he's probably a top 12 wide receiver for fantasy. But because he plays for the Tennessee Titans, where there are limitations with Marcus Mariota and the offense overall, that's why you see Corey Davis go later than he probably should in fantasy football. It's not always just about how talented the player is. It's about talent of the player plus situation plus opportunity. And I think all of those things combined, it's just everything is pointing up for Chris Godwin uh, this upcoming season. Again, I really like Galladay. I, I think he's a super talented player. And I don't mind taking him in the fourth round one bit. Like Once Chris Godwin goes off the board... Kenny Galladay is my next-ranked wide receiver, and he is the player that I would target. But if they're both on the board, I am going with Chris Godwin. Greg, we're all assuming that Mike Evans is just... He's the wide receiver one for this team, so that means like his targets are going to be far and away better than Chris Godwin's. Look at the way that the Vikings have used their two wide receivers the past couple of seasons. Last year, Thielen had 153 targets. Diggs had 149. I'm not saying it's going to be that close between Evans and Chris Godwin, but would it really surprise you if it was? It wouldn't surprise me. They're both really, really talented players. I can't get enough of Chris Godwin. I, I understand like you're drafting someone for, to do something that they've never done before, but the situation here calls for that, Greg. I also decided during that soliloquy, Frank, is we need to do a video of Robert Woods, just like title it Robert Woods versus Brandon Cooks versus Cooper Cup because people are going to Google that. We also should do a video of Kenny Galladay versus Chris Godwin. I think it's a really good... Well, now we have title. to find someone on the Kenny Galladay side. I guess we could do it with EY, right? Yeah, 100%. That'll, that'll work. <laughs> but during that um, diatribe, I mentioned Tyler Lockett. Because I have Tyler Lockett in this mix as well. Because he's my number 20. I moved Cooper Cup up. He's my number 22 ranked wide receiver now, as I have Cup at number 21. A lot of good news on Tyler Lockett. Playing in the slot, the Doug Baldwin role, the favorite wide receiver, Russell Wilson. Those are reasons to like him. But, as I mentioned with Daryl Bevel a few moments ago, their offensive coordinator likes to run the ball. That's what Brian Schottenheimer is going to do. The amount that Tyler Lockett's going to get the ball is going to be a lot for Seattle. 
But compared to other wide receivers and other teams, not so much. Ultimately, there's not much margin for error here. Like, he's not going to get 10 receptions a game, most likely, for 100 yards, most likely. Maybe he'll have a game or two like that, sure. But the consistency is not going to be as high as you need it to be in this area. That's why I like the higher upside guys of all the Rams, of Godwin, of Galladay, ahead of Tyler Lockett, because I think the upside is so much higher, and I don't know that the floor is all that much lower. EY, where are you on Tyler Lockett? I got him just behind uh, Galladay and Julian Edelman, and, and, and I moved him up. He was lower because of, of the want to run mm-hmm. in, in Seattle, but this is what I believe. I believe that the defense is going to go down a few rungs. They're not the defense they used to be, and Russell Wilson is going to be forced to throw the ball. Him and Russell Wilson have uh, an, a very apparent chemistry already and like you were saying from the camp news is him lining up in the slot that made me have to move him up tyler lockett proved last year that he can be the real deal and having him in the doug baldwin role in the seattle offense i really like it i love russell wilson as a quarterback but um he's been scary the last couple years to take because of their defense being so good and them wanting to run the ball i feel like they're going to have to pass the ball more this year the defense is not going to be very good and that's going to force russell wilson into action so you got to have tyler lockett further up and dk metcalf look i mean he's a big body and stuff but he's a rookie wide receiver lockett's proven that he can be the guy i'm not i'm not concerned about lockett being the guy or not because he's proven it you're absolutely right eric when he's healthy and on the field he's the guy but that upside, that margin of error for him seems so small, Frank. I'm not as worried about it as you are. And I've been in the camp for most of preseason here that, you know, the Seahawks want to run the football. And I haven't been on Russell Wilson because I don't think that the passing volume is going to be there. I've slightly been bumping him up a little bit in the Seattle pass catchers overall for the reasons that EY mentioned. This defense is not nearly as good as it has been in years past. And it might force them into some more, you know, uh, uh, game scripts where they need to throw the football. And even if they don't, Tyler Lockett is the unquestioned wide receiver one for the Seattle Seahawks team. And Doug Baldwin led this team with 73 targets last year. He led the team with 73 targets. That's how few times, that's how little they passed the ball last year. And that was 20% of the target share. He is now gone. Tell me who else on the Seattle Seahawks offense Russell Wilson is going to trust when it comes to throwing the football at all this season. Not just down the field, just throwing the football in general. DK Metcalf is a rookie. People are excited about him for Dynasty. Uh, Yeah, all these pictures and videos about him with his shirt off, that's perfectly fine. You know, I've seen this guy run routes, and he needs a lot of work. I still think that he is a very raw football player. Tyler Lockett, while the efficiency... He was uber-efficient last year. I, I believe he finished as a top 20 wide receiver on just 70 targets. That type of efficiency is insane. He scored 10 touchdowns on 70 targets. The efficiency is going to come down. There's no doubt about it. But the volume is going up. No Doug Baldwin there. The fact that Tyler Lockett is this team slot receiver, I would expect him to see 100-plus targets this year. And if that's the case, we're probably looking at another season of 900-plus receiving yards and 7 to 8 touchdowns. EY, we appreciate the time. We'll do it again tomorrow, my man. All right, boys. See you then. Betting in Action Hour comes your way next. 
From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. We're back here on the BFFs. Frank Stample, Greg Sussman here, and uh, let's pay some bills, Frank. The NFL preseason is here with another slate of games this Thursday. Season-long fantasy football drafts are in full swing. Head on over to RotoExperts.com and check out the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet because I believe, Frank... It includes your rankings, my man. That is correct. They're hot off the press on RotoExperts.com right now. So Frank Stamfel and the RotoExperts have you covered with Dynasty season-long and best ball formats, giving you an edge regardless of what type of season-long fantasy football that you play. 10% off at RotoExperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with the promo code FNTSY. NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package is available right now only at RotoExperts.com. We're back here on the BFFs. More fantasy content on tomorrow's show. We're going to begin with my man A.J. Green, the Cincinnati wide receivers, and my next ranked wide receiver, which someone Frankie doesn't like this year. It's Robbie Anderson. Yeah, surprise, surprise. The, uh, the only Jet fan around does not like Robbie Anderson this season for fantasy football. Come back tomorrow. Find out why. All right. You'll have to, you'll have to do that on tomorrow's show. I do have some... Uh, how did we do in our preseason bets last week, by the way? We can go over that. Well, it's a very fair question, Greg. Let's see what we had here. Uh, uh-huh. You had the Detroit Lions minus two and a half. That worked out very poorly. I would say um, that didn't work out very well. You could have gave the Detroit Lions 21 points and... Still wouldn't have covered. Still wouldn't have covered. Uh, I had the Bills money line and that cashed. And fun fact, while I was in Jersey over the weekend celebrating Maria Marino's birthday, I was hanging out with... Uh, Dane Martinez, speed spitting statistician. Make, spittin make sure statistician. you watch uh, the Fantasy Freestyle tonight. I was also with uh, Blondo Deblino, and uh, <laughs> we put a few bets in because we were in was, Jersey. Was, was Blake Bealy there? No, Blake Bealy was not there, right. but uh, Blondo Deblino was there. Uh, and uh, we bet the under in the Cowboys 49ers preseason game, under 38 total points, and that game finished 17 to 9. So I basically paid for my drinks. That's awesome. Let's go, Jersey. Did you pay for Kinga's drinks as well? No, I didn't, I didn't make that much money. <laughs> <laughs> we like to drink, Greg. I know you do. I saw you guys walk the Brooklyn Bridge this weekend. Yes, that is a, uh, an anniversary tradition of ours. We do it every year. We, what if it's raining? We walk the bridge. Uh, I don't think that, that it, it's, in, it's never rained That's any awesome. of the years that we've gone. It's very cool. But it's an interesting tradition because while partaking, we always are reminded how much we hate humanity. And we're like, we need a new tradition. We don't like people. We don't like being around people, especially tourists. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Brooklyn Bridge, that's pretty much all you're going to find there. All you're going to find. Do you go for pizza afterwards? On the, on the, on no, the so website? we walked to Brooklyn, Yes, uh, which is a very... From when we first started walking this bridge till now, completely different. Okay. Like that area, like Brooklyn Bridge Park. Yep. It's so... The word I would use is bougie. It is bougie. Oh, There's a commercial. That's fine. It's, it's, it's very like upscale, like hotels and stuff. So we found this one hotel that had a rooftop bar. We went in there, grabbed way, a beer. Way too expensive, I bet. Yeah, it was like 22 bucks for two beers. Greg would not have enjoyed that. 
I don't think anyone would enjoy that. Yeah, but... but like, uh, I'm sure they had a nice the craft view, beer for Kinga. The view was very nice, so we enjoyed that. Um, and then we walked back over, and we went to Little Italy for Italian food. Oh, sounds great. So, uh, that's what we do every year. I had rigatoni vodka. Oh, man. She had gnocchi pesto. I bought it. Right up Greg's alley. So yesterday, we went grocery shopping, at, and Whole Foods now has like a fresh pasta bar, oh. and, and, and they got me. Like Obviously, I could buy it for like a dollar and change, like a box of pasta. But like they had a fresh pasta bar, and I'm like... All right. You didn't see downstairs earlier today what I was eating for lunch. No. I had baked chicken and spaghetti with creamy pesto. God, I love it. Oh. I should make creamy pesto this week. So I was doing. So good. So we're making. Uh, I bought the gnocchi. I'm going to make it with pesto and some shrimp and just put it all together. So that's what we're doing for dinner one of these nights this week. I wish it was creamy pesto. Mm, it's the best. Did you watch any of the other NFL preseason stuff on Friday or Saturday? So I wanted to get into actually San Francisco and yeah. da- because you, you brought up the San Francisco-Dallas game. It went under the number. And from a fantasy football perspective, one of these guys you've been very, very high on has been Dante Pettis. But like, let's throw the fantasy stuff out till tomorrow because I'm sure we'll get into Dante Pettis on tomorrow's yep. show. But Dante Pettis in general may not start. Now, when you're trying to figure out like the running back rotation, and it's clear Jarek McKinnon is severely still hurt. And Raheem Mostert now has a concussion, and it's like one by one these guys kind of chop off, and now it looks like Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida, and I think that's really helpful. But from the wide receivers, it's like there's a lot of guys in this mix, from Debo Samuel to Jalen Hurd to Dante Pettis, and Kyle Shanahan's given no indication that anybody has locked up a job. It sounds like the best player is going to play. As someone that's a big Dante Pettis fan, are you concerned? Uh. A little bit. Not nearly as concerned as I've seen other people on Twitter uh, regarding Dante Pettis and the San Francisco 49ers offense. Let's be honest with ourselves. Marquise Goodwin, he has his role in this offense, assuming he makes the team. I saw a report today that he could open up as the team's wide receiver one. So from one week to the next, we heard reports last week that Marquise Goodwin could be potentially on the roster bubble. And then today there's a report that comes out that says Marquise Goodwin is potentially the team's wide receiver one. I mean, that's how up in the air things are when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers. But it would be foolish if I didn't at least acknowledge what's going on with Dante Pettis right now. Like, it's not nothing. It is definitely something. But when it comes to Pettis, I think Kyle Shanahan's comments after the game on Saturday, he said, I need to see more from him. I think it's Shanahan... Testing his, testing his wide receiver, wanting to get the most out of him. He wants to see more consistency. I watched a lot of film breakdown uh, yesterday, actually, regarding Dante Pettis, and there were a lot of times where he was actually held on plays where it wasn't called, where he actually got really good releases on press coverage, and where he was open and he just wasn't targeted. So I don't think that it's all against him. I think Dante Pettis is a really, really talented player. I think he showed that in the final month of the season last year. Yes, he has struggled in training camp so far. I know there's been some issues with drops. That's what they're talking about and consistency. But there's no doubt that he is a talented player. We saw it last year in that final month. I mean, there were times where this guy would get take a, a quick slant to the house. I mentioned it last season as well. Reminded me a little bit of Odell Beckham. A little bit. He's not the same as Odell Beckham. I, I get that. But the wide receiver competition, the two other wide receivers on this team, Jalen Hurd was a running back converted wide receiver who is still, frankly, learning the position of wide receiver. He scored two touchdowns in that preseason game. But overall, he's a rookie. There's a lot for him to learn. Debo Samuel, a lot of people like him. It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Debo Samuel and Dante Pettis were the starting wide receivers for this team and George Kittle was the top target as the tight end. Like That wouldn't surprise me one bit. I think there's a lot to like about Debo Samuel. But he's still a rookie wide receiver. I think the comments for Shanahan were to motivate 
Dante Pettis. They want to see more consistency out of him. I'm not completely ignoring it. That would be foolish, Greg. But if you're talking about, I'll bring this back to fantasy just for a second. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. If you're talking about his ADP slipping a round or two now because of these reports, give me all the Dante Pettis that I can possibly get, Greg. The talent is just too real when it comes to Pettis. Another young player who has stood out to me this weekend, or a couple of young players that stood out to me, were in Kansas City, where you saw what Miko Harvin can do. You saw what Darwin Thompson could do. And you're like, hmm. How much do you take out of what Kansas City did over the weekend? I think, especially for Darwin Thompson, I mean, that's a name that we're paying attention to very closely. And look, Miko Hardman as well, but specifically for the running backs for the Chiefs, all offseason, we've been talking about Damian Williams. Damian Williams, you want the number one running back in the best offense in the NFL. But now, on Friday, we got to report that it could potentially be a committee. So we have to pay attention to who's performing well for the Kansas City Chiefs running backs right now. And dude, if you've seen pictures of this guy, Darwin Thompson, as well, I mean, he is ridiculously shredded. He's built. Uh, he can catch the football as well. He's a smaller running back, so I don't know that he'll ever have the opportunity to be like, a workhorse running back in the NFL, but if he's getting 8 to 10 touches on a really, really good Chiefs offense, then that's something that could actually be valuable for fantasy. So Darwin Thompson specifically someone that I'm paying attention to. Miko Hardman uh, for Dynasty, 100%. I mean, you want to see him perform well here in the preseason when he gets his opportunities because if anything were to happen to Tyreek Hill, if you know new evidence resurfaces or if they revisit this investigation and something happens... Miko Hardman has legitimate upside, but admittedly right now, he's more so a play for Dynasty. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was super impressive. I don't think there's any doubt. Like, he was, I believe, the fastest wide receiver at the Combine, and he's beginning to show that as well. So I really do believe that they drafted him to cover themselves for Tyreek Hill, but you know, maybe they decide they don't want to sign Tyreek Hill to a contract extension, get, Greg, in, in, in uh, keeper in Dynasty Leagues. Yeah, Miko Hardman's going to be a thing. It is something to definitely pay attention to throughout training camp. Absolutely. The more weapons Andy Reid has to work with, the more convoluted this offense gets, the tougher it is for fantasy football players, the more exciting it is for Patrick Mahomes and NFL viewers and Chiefs fans in general. Absolutely. And, you know, regardless of how well Hardman plays this year, it's going to be, no pun intended, it's going to be hard for him to actually see the field consistently as long as Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins are healthy. Those are going to be your two wide receivers. There was a report today earlier that you know Demarcus Robinson is making a ton of plays in camp as well. So uh, that's a name to pay attention to. But they still have Travis Kelsey as well. They still have Damian Williams. This offense is completely loaded. There's definitely upside in the future for Miko Hardman. And you know if anything were to happen to Tyreek Hill, he's already dealt with a uh, bruised quad in camp. Yep. Or Sammy Watkins, who we've seen be injury prone in the past. Miko Hardman could have value this year, but unfortunately, Greg, I think it's going to be dependent on an injury taking place on someone ahead of him on the depth chart. Would you handcuff Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins with Miko Hardman? I don't typically look at wide receiver situations as handcuffs, but considering how injury-prone Sammy Watkins has been in his career, like when you're talking about draft picks later on, uh, your, your round 15 pick, your round 16 pick, I think that's an interesting situation, you know, like... Yeah, take, you, you end up with a Hill or a Watkins. And with your 15th or 16th round pick, Greg, all you want is upside. And that's there's nothing but upside when it comes to Hardman. If the season starts two weeks into the season and you know everyone's healthy and they're not using him, you just cut bait. There's nothing wrong with that. But as one of your last round picks, perfectly fine with that.
There you go. Miko Hardman has the upside. Uh, in regards to the running game, there are so many running backs in there with both Williams's Hyde and Thompson. Bit of a mess in Kansas City. It's a bit of a mess. Fantasy football owners are going to have going to have to be very, very. Williams got the first reps today. Damian Williams, that is, got the first reps. And, and then the, and then the fifth rep, and the fifth rep, fifth rep went to Carlos Hyde, and the seventh rep went to Daryl Williams. None of them's names are Thompson, by the way. All right, uh, we'll come back, and it'll be time, Frank. Best, best forever next. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. All right, final 14 minutes of the program here. BFFs, Frankie Stample, Greg Sussman. Frank, it's time for our best bets forever baseball style. Yeah, unfortunately, there is no football on tonight, so we got to go back to the well when it comes to baseball, Greg. The next, the next games are Thursday, is that correct? That is correct. Uh, we exactly. do have a baseball game in action right now. The Bronx Bombers. Bombers! They just got out of a bases-loaded jam, now pitching in the bottom of the eighth. Jimmy Yakabonis! He's the 26th man today of the Baltimore Orioles. You really, you know how to choose him, Greg. He's got a 6.98 ERA on the season. You're damn right I do, Frank. Labor Torres hit his 11th home run in this game. Uh, He hit his 24th home run, rather. 11th of the season against the Baltimore Orioles. One of the craziest stats I've ever heard. It's so crazy. The Baltimore Orioles, I think they showed the stat. They have allowed 242 home runs so far this year as a team. They are 16 away from tying the record for most home runs allowed by a team in MLB history. We have over a month to go. With six weeks left to go, Greg. Safe to say that they're going to shatter that record. It does seem that way, Frank, yes. Baltimore Orioles. Ah, oh, this is great. God bless anyone in Baltimore. Fantastic. So Judy made plans. At least he got the Ravens. Judy made plans for Friday, just like sit home and like drink beers and like play games. I was like, perfect. Giants are on. So this is fantastic. That's great. That's yeah. basically what I did this past Friday. I just had like an old man night. Yeah. I watched a few of the first drives between the, uh, the Saints and Vikings and then the Bucks and Steelers. Watch a little Rojo, a little bit of Godwin, some James Washington. And then I watched... A Quiet Place with King. Have you ever watched A Quiet Place? No, it was too scary for me. Selling <laughs> like a 12-year-old. Oh, no, too scary for me. Hey, it's a scary movie. It's not that scary. You know what, it, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, though? the with, uh, Jim Jim Halpert? Yeah, John Krasinski. Yeah. yeah. Should have stuck with Pam. Agreed. Um, pretty uh, pretty uh, interesting uh, movie, though. It, was, it wasn't the greatest movie. It was not the worst movie. It, it was fine. Anyway, so Giants are on Friday night, I just saw, which is great. So we're going to be able to watch that, which is awesome. When did the Jets play this week, Greg? Thursday night. Thursday night? Who, in who in Atlanta. Oh, all right. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. See Sam Darnold go up against a, a pretty formidable defense, Atlanta Falcons. Really liking Dante Freeman again. You, just can't, you can't get off this I guy. can't quit him. You love him. I do. The guy gave you two games last year, Greg. And I'm back. How are you back? Just like that. That's insane. Could not be more back in. Did this guy win you a championship back in the day? Like three, four years ago or something? I don't think so. I do remember I traded him away. Um, no, he didn't. I traded him away one year for Gronk. How did that work? Poorly. <laughs> Poorly. 
you know, uh, one wheelchair for another wheelchair. That's how it goes. All right, Frankie, uh, how did we do last week for real? Uh, you, you ended up three and two on your best bets. I ended up four and one. Right. So Positive. We're, we're week. both over five hundred. Positive week. All right. Great week. How about we do uh, tonight's games? Let's jump in. Let's jump right in tonight. The Reds. Every time we do this, which is literally every day, I'm <laughs> confident that Eric Fay is on the mound for the Nationals. Betty Watt. Literally every single time. They're facing the Nats. I'm sorry, they're facing the Reds and Anthony Desclafani. Eric Fetty, 2-2 two and two with a 4.20 ERA. He's only 2-2. Two and two. He starts every day. How is that possible? Anthony DiScalfani, 7-6. Also, 4.20 ERA. Exact same ERAs for both starting pitchers. That's why the odds are what they are. In this matchup. But based on that, Greggy, the Cincinnati Reds are the slight favorite, even though this game is in Washington. I understand Eric Fetty is not a world beater. Not one of the best starting pitchers in baseball. But the Nationals have been... One of the better teams over the past month or so. Playing well, playing good ball. And they're home, and they're going up against one of the not-so-great teams in baseball, the Cincinnati Reds. Total's at 10.5. I kind of like the Nationals in the spot. I don't know if I'm ready to make it one of my best bets, but I do like it. I don't like the over, but... Yeah. Uh. I mean, I could see it. <sighs> Aristides Aquino, Greggy. Oh, my God. This dude, man. This guy just comes up and is taking the league by storm. Basically, his third game into his career, he's batting cleanup for Cincinnati in a great ballpark. If he's available in your fantasy baseball leagues, make sure you add him. He's not. He is one of. He might be the hottest hitter in baseball. He I think sure he hit is. six home runs this past week. He's unbelievable. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, I guess you know the Reds lineup is playing well. Uh, overall, I don't really let's see how they have been recently over their past ten games. The Reds are oh they're seven and three. Washington four and six. So the Reds have actually been hotter uh, than Washington, at least over the last 10 games. I like the Nationals. If anything, we'll come back to this game. Let's continue on, then, and get to the Rangers and the Blue Jays. Noe Ramirez, Ariel Jurado. What do you think? Ariel Jurado, 6-7, 4.74 ERA. Neil Ramirez of the Toronto Blue Jays will serve as the opener. Uh, it doesn't say here on MLB.com who they plan to use as the follower here for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, the Texas Rangers also a team that's been in a free fall. The Toronto Blue Jays are forty nine and seventy two. Uh, not great, Bob. The total in this one is ten and a half. The Blue Jays slight favorite at minus one twenty two. Really hard to choose a side here between two bad teams. Like I think Toronto's offense is better right now with Bo Bichette and Vlad has been coming around. Bo man. It seems like the Rangers have really been cooling off. I don't hate the total in this one over ten and a half, but. If I had to choose something in this game, it would be the Blue Jays' money line. What do you think, Greg? I would agree. Blue Jays' money line is the bet that stands out to me. Could be one of my best bets. Not sure yet. We'll see as we continue further. I agree with that. In Cleveland, it's Zach Plesak taking on Eddie Rodriguez for the Red Sox. How do you feel about Eddie these days, Frank? This reaction, if you're watching live, is exactly how I feel about Eduardo Rodriguez. He's so frustrating. He's 13-5. and five. How does he have 13 wins? He's got a 4.17 ERA. He's... Eduardo Rodriguez, the reason why he's so frustrating is because there is no consistency. There are some games where you watch this guy start, and he looks like one of the 10 best left-handed starting pitchers in baseball. And then there are others where he just can't locate the fastball. The walks are all over the place. He can barely make his way through five innings. And he's going up against the Cincinnati, uh, a Cleveland Indians team that just acquired Yasiel Puig and Fran Reyes, two guys who are right-handed, and normally you'd say, like, they, oh, they just automatically perform better against lefties. Yasiel Puig actually has reverse splits in his career. But 
This Indians lineup is, is a dangerous one right now. Uh, the odds are all very close so far in the games that we've talked about. The Indians plus 100 here, even though they're at home. Zach Plesak on the mound. The total's 10 and a half. This is a, this is a closer one, Greg. And uh, this is, you know, potentially a wild card preview as well. Red Sox going up against the Indians. I like that the Indians are dogs at home, however slight that they are. In yeah, but it, it is Zach Plesak. I know, but it doesn't Eduardo, generate a lot of strikeouts. Eduardo Rodriguez isn't good, as you well know. He's 13 wins. He is good at times, Greg. Yeah. The thing is, he's so inconsistent. That's yeah. the problem. The Cleveland Indians this year against left-handed pitching. Ranked 23rd in weighted on base average. The like, Boston Red Sox against righties. Number two in baseball against right-handed pitching this year. I like the Indians tonight. I'm not making my best bet. You talked me out of that. Yeah. But I like the Indians. I, I, th- I think I like the Red Sox a little bit more now, just looking into those uh, versus lefty versus righty. All right, sports. so we won't do it. That's all good. The Astros and the White Sox, it's Zach Grinke, Dylan Cease. The Astros are a monstrous favorite. Yeah, and this is really not a good spot for Dylan Cease. I understand that he is one of the White Sox top prospects, but from a fantasy perspective tonight, I understand he's going to have a two-star week. I really, really don't like Dylan Cease in this spot here. Even though he's at home, uh, it's more so a hitter's ballpark out there in Chicago, and the Astros are one of the most patient teams in baseball, and Dylan Cease struggles a lot with command in terms of walking a lot of batters and this Astros lineup is just, they are, I mean, one through nine. They're probably, you know, right up there with the Yankees, one of the best in baseball. Yordan Alvarez is completely taking the league by storm right now. Nuts. I, even though, like, the White Sox are huge underdogs at plus 250, I, I just, I can't even entertain that thought. I can't get behind this. Um, I would like the over nine and a half just because I think the Astros put up some runs here against the White Sox, but I don't trust the White Sox to put any runs back on the board against Zach Greinke. The only way you touch this game is if you parlay the Astros with something else, Greg. Cannot do it, Frankie. I'm not touching this one. Uh, the Astros simply too big of a favorite. Total sits at nine and a half. Let's continue on, Frankie, on tonight's MLB slate. And that brings us to Colorado, where the Rockies are facing off against the D-backs. Uh, Patrick Lambert and Merrill Kelly. Hey, can I interest you in the over in this game? 14 <laughs> is the total in this one. I would say if you're playing DFS tonight, you probably want to target as many Diamondbacks and Rockies as you possibly can. Merrill Kelly, 7-12 on the year, 4.52 ERA. Peter Lambert, remember that really great debut he had against the Chicago Cubs? It's been all downhill since there. He's 2-3. I called him Patrick. His name is Peter. Patrick. Is it Peter or Patrick? It is Peter Lambert. All right. Not Adam Lambert either. I, I always want to say Adam. Yeah, I want to say Adam Lambert too. Uh, those, were my, um, those were my American Idol days, Greg. I used to actually sure. watch American yeah. Idol religiously. Do you remember the guy that beat Adam Lambert? Religious, a religious, re- religious watcher. Well, you know I don't have a good memory. No, you don't. Um, I don't remember. Was th- you know I would have said that that was the same year that like Daughtry was a part of it, but he didn't win it either. Correct. I don't remember who won it. Uh, the answer we were looking for was Chris Allen. Would have never got it. Why you gotta be so heartless, Chris Allen? That was his thing. <laughs> I wouldn't. I would have never got that. Uh, but Peter Lambert, back on track, I guess. Any, any relation to Adam? Uh, P- I don't know. Maybe or Patrick. Uh, f- seriously though, like. Would it surprise you if this game went over 14 runs? No, of course not. Is it one of your best bets? No. (laughs) How about the Rockies at home? This is basically even money. They're minus 110. Merrill Kelly's minus 104 with the Diamondbacks. I'm not touching this, Frank. Diamondbacks are uh, 59 and 59 on the year. The Rockies are 53 and 65. Not doing it. Yeah, I'm not touching this. Not doing it. If I had to choose something, it would be the Diamondbacks money line. 
Diego, oh, I just skipped one, but we'll go to this one first. Diego Castillo and the Rays, Joey Lucchese and the Padres. Yeah, Diego Castillo serving as the opener tonight. Open He's got a 3.50 ERA. Joey Lucchese. Joey Lucchese. 7-6 with a 4.19 ERA. Uh, the Padres checking at 55-62. and 62. Tampa Bay Rays 69-50. and 50. The total in this one is just 8. Hmm. I, man, I have some interest in the over here, Greg. This is a low number at 8. What are you thinking? The 8 is a low number... But the Rays at plus money, a better team than the San Diego Padres. Also true. Plus 110, yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good call. Best bet of the evening is Tampa Bay Rays in San Diego tonight. I like that. There you go. I can get behind that as well. I'm Best not gonna, bet of the night. I'm not going to piggyback off you, but I do like All that good. a decent amount. Tampa Bay money line at plus 110 with Diego Castillo as the opener. And uh-huh. This one we see like a Jalen Beeks as the follower or... Someone like that. He struggles late. It's not going to be Ryan Yarbrough. He's he Ryan Yarbrough, did it? Eight and two thirds. Yeah, he's awesome. He's he's actually starting this upcoming week against the Tigers. Love it for fantasy. If you could still pick him up, Probably Ryan can. Yarbrough against the Tigers. Great matchup this week. All right. I really I like that call tonight too. Uh, uh, just excuse me. I have on to, the money line, go pick a player up right now. Go pick yeah. Go pick up Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah. Uh, there's one game that you're missing so far, Greg. That would be the Pittsburgh Pirates going up against the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim Who is in it? Anaheim. It is. Uh, Mitch Kata. Why do you say his name like that? I don't know. This is what we do. Uh, and we. Jose Suarez. Uh, Mitch Keller coming in with a 10.5 ERA. Not a great season for Mitch Keller. Uh, but he's only made, I believe it's two starts at the Major League level this Feels year. Feels like seven. He did have a three and a half ERA uh, in the minor league so far. He is the Pirates' top pitching prospect. Doesn't say much. Uh, I... I like picking him up for fantasy. I realize that it's, uh, it's some tough sledding because he has the Angels tonight and then he has the Cubs later on in the week, so... From a fantasy perspective, it's tough to get behind Mitch Keller and that those two starts in those matchups. But the Pirates' money line, Greg, in this one is interesting because you're getting them at plus 130. Jose Suarez is a top-pitching prospect for the Angels, but he has pitched very poorly. So is Mitch Keller. True. Uh, and the Pirates who suck against lefties. So uh, the total's at 10. I'm probably not touching this game. No, Frank, you're not touching this game. All right, so let me go back through the games that I kind of liked and figure out my best. So we picked up Ryan Yarbrough? I like the Nationals at minus 102. I like the Red Sox at minus 114. Well, whatever you're ready, Frank. You know, 30 seconds left in the show. Yeah, it's all right. I got about 10 more seconds to make my pick. And I will I'll, go I'll with just sit here. both of them. The Boston Red Sox, money line, minus 114. The Washington Nationals and Eric Fettywap. Minus 102 on the money line. Best bet for me, it's Tampa Bay tonight in San Diego. Enjoy that one, folks. He's Frank Stample. I want to thank Eric Young. I want to thank Nick Danny downstairs. I'm Greg. Have a great afternoon. We'll do it all again tomorrow. We hope. We hope. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. So what did I miss? What did I miss? Here's what you missed on the BFFs.
Unrelated, I texted these guys right before the show. Sonny Michelle, nonstop, number one guy in the depth chart. Not a surprise. For now. For now. As long so. as those knees hold up, Craig. There's a couple of running backs that are really rising for me at the you moment. You can't be the number one running back if you're on crutches, so let's keep true. that in mind. There's a couple of running backs that have been rising for me, and that's not like in the Sonny Michelle, Chris Carson. One guy that I want to even inch up further a little bit. I know this is the wide receiver show, but Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook can stay healthy. He did have a monster year. Yeah, it all comes down to health for him. Like, there's no doubting how talented of a player I he is. I kind of want to put him ahead of Joe Mixon. And I'm nice? pretty sure EY has been in that camp all along that he's been a big Dalvin Cook supporter. Like, once you get into that second round range of running backs, and again, we're going to talk about wide receivers on today's show, but it's you know, to bring it up. Jim said it best on Friday when we were doing the draft special. He said uh, it's like the quicksand tier because it's like everything about those running backs in the round two, like round three range, like they all have upside. There's no doubt about it. But every running back has something that's a knock on them. Like, Dalvin Cook has missed a ton of games his first two years. Joe Mixon, questionable Bengals offense and offensive line. Todd Gurley has the arthritis in his knees. Nick Chubb has Kareem Hunt coming back, you know, the second half of the season. Like, you can point out any running back in that round two, round three range, probably even the first round range, too. And you're going to be able to find a knock on those running backs. So, again, you have to ask yourself who has the highest upside. Dalvin Cook does have some pretty tantalizing upside in that early second round range. Yeah, I'm getting excited. As, as people are rising Nick Chubb off the dra- up their draft boards, the more and more I read and look at Dalvin Cook and what he's doing, I think he could just be in store for a monstrous, monstrous season. Another player that I think is going to be in store for a monstrous, monstrous season is Juju Smith-Schuster, who I have officially moved up to my number four overall wide receiver. Uh, I have my next four guys ranked as Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham Jr., and then Tyreek Hill. Frank, how did you, those four uh, shake about? for you. I have those as my next four as well, but not in that order. I have Juju as the fourth wide receiver off the board as well. Then Michael Thomas. The only difference is I have Tyreek Hill one spot ahead of Odell Beckham Jr. And I put out a poll before the show, Greg, because it seems like that number four wide receiver might be different for almost everybody this year. And 46% of the vote is going towards Michael Thomas. So I think a lot of people just, they want to know what they're going to get from that late first, early second round pick. They're their number one wide receiver. Michael Thomas, I don't think he has as much upside as Juju Smith-Schuster, but there's no doubting how safe he is. I mean, we've now seen that for each of his first two seasons that he's been in the league. He hasn't finished lower than wide receiver seven each of those two years. So you know what you're getting when it comes to Michael Thomas. Me personally, I have Juju ranked one spot higher because I do think that the upside is better with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. How do you rank the next four wide receivers on your board here, EY? Be sure to follow all our social media at FNTSY Sportsnet and at FNTSY Radio. And now I'm tweeting about you, bruh. 